Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to Bench Units. My name is Mark. I'm joined by James and we are recording for our third consecutive day. Although that won't really matter by the time this gets released because this one's going in the bank for a couple of weeks. James, how's it going, man? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. Uh, you say we've been recording for a couple of days like anyone really cares about our woes. We also <laughs> like talking to each other, so it's fine. That's true. Living the dream. So we are joined by... Maybe our most requested guest who's made it this long without an appearance. We've got endless requests for this guy to come and join us. And all I will say before we jump into what might be the last episode we ever get to publish is if you've struggled with our two most recent guests being Greg and Lucas Warburton, if the accents have been a stretch for you, then good luck with this one. (laughs) And if you're not one of our native English speaking listeners, this one will probably have to come with subtitles. We're joined by the guy who has played for more clubs and collected more accolades than there have even been episodes of Bench Units, and we're over 100 episodes now, and he's probably better known as the greatest 1.0 to ever play the game. Abdi Jama, how's it going, man? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, yeah, nice to be finally on on the, on the podcast, you know, after a while. Finally. All the time. How, lo- uh, how long have you been waiting for the invite? That- I told James, I said, hey, what's going on? Get me on it. It's funny, man. Last <laughs> no, summer, no, no. Abdi was it's, like... It's uh, it's cool, man. It's cool to be on it. And yeah, I enjoy what you guys do, man, as well. At the same time, it's it's it's, it's an amazing thing for you guys to do this, for, especially for our sport, you know, uh, yeah. just to put it out there and week in, week in. And, you know, the, the dedication you guys put in, especially oh. for where you guys started from, it's, it's amazing, man. So, oh, yeah, it's nice Thank to be on. You, you say where we started from. Where we started from was uh, Sheffield Steelers bench watching you and not playing at all. So it probably, like, this Whoa. probably started organically from being like, oh, my God, Abdi, I can't believe you just shot that. <laughs> and you'd be like, shut up, you it forget, went you in. Forget, you forget the final that you had. Like, whoa. Yeah. You carried right us in the final, man, against Oldham. So. <laughs> hey, two years in two years in a row they let me have it and two years in a row I let them have it that's what happened <laughs> exactly. exactly so yeah man it's nice to be here yeah so. thanks for being here so we're gonna start with the same question that we start with um everyone how did you get started in wheelchair basketball what it's a long time ago in black and white <laughs> yeah almost yeah uh just it's a crazy way how I actually started because most people know, you know, I'm a good friend of Adi Arabemi and who's, you know, he's my coach over here. He's one of my best friends uh, just through the game. Um, literally, I was on the streets and chilling out with my friends, you know, back in them days as you usually do. <laughs> and, and he literally went past, stopped, and he was like, yo, I've seen you guys shoot around the basketball court on the outdoor because I used to play a lot of street ball and stuff. And he was like, are you interested in playing wheelchair basketball? At that time, you know, wheelchair basketball was not known. You know, I had no idea. I didn't even know any anything about the chair. I had no idea about wheelchair basketball. Didn't have any friends in the chair. And I was just like, eh, not really, no. So then about a month later, he came to uh, to my to my school. And he literally was, and he was there. And I was like, oh, hello, I got, got speaking to him again. And he was like, listen, how come you didn't come? Come on, come and try out for for the local team in Liverpool. And I was like, "Yo, okay, I might as well give it a go." And I'm here right now. <laughs> exactly. And how old were you then? Uh, I was 15, just turning 16. Yeah. 
I love the idea of you being like, wow, this guy really, really wants me to come play. He showed up to my school. I should probably give it a go so he doesn't have to keep coming to school. Do you know the crazy thing is no. I was like, who's this, who's this guy, man? Can I just get rid of him? <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. You see him like, six is, days why, a week. No. Why, why is this guy talking to me like... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was, he was the biggest decision I made. And yeah, for sure, man, he saw something in me and yeah, you know, credit to him and, you know, and he helped me out a lot as well. So it wasn't easy, but yeah, it was a, it was a long road. I'm going to say, so Addy ropes you, Addy ropes you into coming and trying out for the club nearest you. You're obvious for people who don't know, you're from Liverpool. There's a couple of clubs knocking around Liverpool at that time with both Vikings and Greenbank. Who was your kind of first, who did you get your first run out with and what was the state of the club scene at that time? Like there's obviously a hundred clubs knocking around the UK now that are all, you know, division three up to Premier League and whatever else. But was there a whole lot of players in the area or was it thin on the ground? Well, I, I, I joined Greenbank. I think they were halfway through their season anyway. So I joined them. Um, uh, Liverpool Greenbank, that would be. And the Ari was there, a uh, couple of the guys, you know, older guys, probably not not many people. Jerry Kinsella, he was yeah. he was part of the Sue Conroy and uh, she was there as well at that time. And she used to do a little like uh, on this on the eighteen, on the sixteens, on a Thursday session as well, at the center. So and um, I actually joined that session more than I did with the club team. And because I kind of, I don't know, I kind of got to liking how she was coaching and stuff, and uh, all my friends and all my boys used to come. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a interest. That kind of made me interested a bit more as well in the game. And so I really didn't even play for Greenbank. To be honest, I can't remember. Maybe I played one game, and because it was that long ago. And and then I joined, and then a year after that. Uh, a lot of you guys would know anyway. Stevie Kane became the coach of Meteors, which was Saint uh, Vikings at that time. Yeah. And they were based in Southport, and and then I just started driving and passed me passed my test and stuff like that, and got everything and other driving license. So basically, I have a car to go wherever I wanted to go. So yeah. Ari, Ari was the one that suggested that I go and play for this team, and yeah, it was the best decision I made. And by that time, Dan Highcock was there. A guy called James Blythe, another guy called Paul Mathers, and and Stevie Kane was our coach. And them guys were in the GB Juniors, and you know I literally was playing for I don't even, not even a year and a half. No idea about the game, no idea what's going on. Yeah, literally just went over there, and he taught me a lot in the first year. So we played in like Division Two or Three or something like this. But basically, that's how that's how it all started. Nice man. One of the questions we like asking people, and we had down here was to ask you about the sort of early influences on your game. I know a couple of names have come up already, but we basically, I put this in because I wanted you to talk about Kaney for a little bit. So can you talk about the influence Steve Kane has had on you? Because I know he ended up taking you abroad, which we'll talk about a little later. Um, yeah, he was, he was, he, he was hard, man. He pushed with fundamentals. And, and, you know, not only Kaney, you know, I went and lived with Adi basically. And, and that's when I moved out from my area that I was at and, after about a year and a half, because I realized, yeah, okay, maybe I could be good at this game or do something with it. No idea about GB, no idea you could, you know, be go to another level. I just enjoyed the game. I wanted to play, enjoyed the game, and I saw Ali training 
I used to go and join him with his training session at the Green Bank. And typically, we had, at that time, you train one time with your club, basically on a Tuesday night uh, down in Southport, nothing else. And then I used to go and watch him, you know, because at that time you could play for two teams. He'd play for Green Bank and Oldham. And I'd go and go in his car, watch him play and stuff like this. And Ali was the Ali was the guy, man. For me, Ali was the guy that pushed me to 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 really to to get to a level where I was good at that, you know, if I can say. I don't even know how to describe for where because he it's so hard to describe what he did for me. Yeah. Um, but Kaney was yeah, Kaney was massive, man. Kaney was the guy that literally sat me down and said, listen, forget, forget the classification. I want to make you the best basketball player that you could be. So that was the biggest message that I was like, what? There's classification. I didn't even understand classification. <laughs> I didn't understand anything. Like I was just like, what? What is this guy talking about? But then after a while, you know, as you grow, you, you kind of reflect on it. And you, now I know what he was saying. And, but he was, he was, he was, he was, yeah, he was, you know, tapping balls and two balls and he was a bit far ahead of everybody ahead, ahead of his time basically you know yeah. yeah you see a lot of guys do the two ball skills and everything else he was doing that at two, early to you know 2099 sure. you know and, and stuff like this and yeah he made it he made us do a lot of conditioning i know that oh. you know and, and not only that man you see you, you know uh dan Haycock was there at, at that time he was coming along and to see him what he could do with the chair and uh, James Blythe was another guy. He was phenomenal, a really young kid. He kind of lost his ways towards the end, but you know, uh, he was phenomenal, man. And seeing them guys at the same time, and we were all about the same age. Sure. Uh, and, and you kind of push, you want to push yourself even more and more to see if you compete with these guys. And you know, even though you have no idea about the game, you don't even have a clue what's going on. <laughs> you just want to compete against these guys and push hard and. Uh, and just enjoy and have fun. That's what it. That's what he made the game out of. Mm-hmm. But he was a big influence early on. Early on, just to fall in love with the game, basically. Sure. Um, in terms of your development as a player, you kind of came onto the scene, I guess, as a lot of teams around the world. A lot of the best teams were going three bigs and two lows, and the lows just doing kind of the you know the grunt work and you know, picking and not touching the ball and all that stuff. Did you have any, you know, you've kind of talked about you were a bit naive to a lot of this stuff, but was there a point where you realised that your shooting the ball was kind of your skill that you were going to live with and that was going to set you apart? Or did that all just kind of come around naturally and then one day you see kind of how the Australian lows are working? You're like, man, this doesn't look like fun. <laughs> no, well, I was, when I was early on, you know, like, I guess... You know, I I literally didn't do anything in UK. So you have to understand, I only played UK maybe, I think it was two years and a half before I actually went abroad. So still at that time, you know, I was really raw. I had no idea what's going on. I make a foul, I don't have no idea what a foul is. You know, and and, basically you're training one day a week. So it's a case of like, it's not like now, you know, you've got a whole week to train. You train one day a week and that's it. Yeah. Um, so playing style didn't come years after you know I just I was just literally playing and just doing whatever I thought was natural that you know and what I was I guess what the club needed and what the team needed so and early on I guess in Vikings or if you want to say Meteors 
I was doing the same thing, yeah, like block, pick and roll, pick, slash, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but then, um, I guess as James was saying, after abroad, and you kind of open your eyes because you see a whole new world, you know. <laughs> um, and not only did I see a new world, you know, at that time when I went to Italy, the whole complete, still new to the game, still have no idea. And and then you see like just completely phenomenal athletes and just you're like, whoa, this is another level to, yeah. to go. And then that's when it really kind of hit me, you know, early on. Sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting. One of the things that Mark said there about a lot of the international teams kind of going three bigs and two ones because around the time that you were coming up but hadn't broken into the GB team, GB were running a four and four two fives, which is like completely counter to that. But obviously, you being able to see all that stuff and go, it was crazy and... because I actually didn't know anything about. I had literally no idea about GB. Yeah. So if I. People say like, oh, you could say like teams were playing this, and I had no idea about wheelchair basketball. Even when <laughs> I went to Italy, I literally had clearly no idea. Like, you have to think like in a different way. Like, I accidentally found the sport, and this sport. So the only people that I knew was the people in front of me. So yes. there was no there was no YouTube, there was no internet, there was no live streams. No. So I had no idea who anybody was, uh, and and it took me so long to like even nobody knew who I was. Is yeah. how crazy it was. So it was mad that when I went to Italy, no one actually thought I was actually from UK. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody's like, you got a weird accent, but you're like, are you where are you from? Like, I'm like, I'm from Liverpool. Like, what? <laughs> so like everybody, like nobody realized I was English. Like, everyone's yeah. was like, what? What's yeah. going on here? Like, how's this guy's how are you good? But like, you're not in this team. I'm like, I don't know. What is this team? What are you talking about? Like, yeah. I don't even know who you're talking about. Like, I literally had no idea. Yeah. So, and then it was only afterwards that, um, you know, you, it was kind of crazy. It was only afterwards when I got in the junior team and Hajj was the one that, you know, I went to a trial and put me in the junior team and he was like, yeah. And then I, it was, I was only, because I missed so long. Because I was like just this guy who come out of nowhere, just nobody knows where the heck he's from. Yes. So uh, I played one year in the juniors. So yeah. I think it was the Europeans in Belgium or something where we just we killed everyone. And <laughs> so it, 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 it was it was kind of like I missed so much as well of that development of like the junior program because then you know I would have probably played another Paralympics or maybe another Wales or multiple yeah. stuff. Or, and, I never realised that about you, man. I, I didn't know you'd only caught on to the juniors right at the tail end. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you're obviously part of a group that, you know, a lot of the guys who you were juniors with have obviously progressed and become long-time senior guys. I assumed you'd all been been around forever. But, yeah, it's crazy to think what, like you say, what could have been, even in terms of like how your own game might have been different if, you know, like you say, you'd got to Hadj earlier or whatever and he'd moulded you slightly differently. You could be a... A totally different player at this yeah, point. For sure, for sure. But I, but I say now that when I, I think James was saying anyway. I, I let you talk about Italy and stuff. And when I went abroad, James, and because uh, that made everything different. Because when I went to Sassari, and because I, I went my first club, I went to Sassari. And Stevie Kane was the guy who who took me there. Because he went there as a player. He went there as a player, and he left uh, Meteors to go there as a player. And uh, what happened was our team folded. Because mm-hmm. due to financial financial problems and stuff, 
in 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 in, U, in the UK. So I literally had no team, and then it was a crazy. This is actually a crazy story. So basically, Stevie Kane messaged Sue Conroy to try and get hold of me if I was interested to come and play for if I was interested to come for a trial in Saturday. Because right. uh, I think Stevie said to him, "We've got this young guy who's raw. You know, he'd be good for the club." Blah blah blah. Uh, kind of sell everything to the to the team, <laughs> which yeah. was phenomenal. But we just really, you know, kind to him and you know how we did it. So, but he couldn't get hold of me for about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> he had to get out. Of, he had to get out. of to drive past you on the street again. So listen. So it's crazy. Like he couldn't get hold of me for two weeks. So literally, Sue had to contact Adi, and then Adi <laughs> had to contact my family, my mother in my home. To say, Emmy's boss, where's Abdi? He's like, Abdi's not here. So, like, it took, like, for so long to get hold of me. Because I was literally like, okay, I'm not going to play no games, no nothing. And that was it. Like, I'm just going to chill and do nothing and, you know, whatever you do. Yeah. So, afterwards, he was like, listen, man, I got Stevie K messaged me, blah, blah, blah. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah, cool. And But the biggest thing is you have to go fly. The flight is from Stansted. I live in Liverpool, bro. Oh, yeah. I was like, okay. How the heck am I going to get there? So, like, luckily, you know, I'm so close to my friends and stuff. So, a friend of mine actually gave me a lift from from Liverpool to Stansted. Stansted at 6 o'clock in the morning oh, flight. For, uh, for, people, for people who are listening who aren't UK-based, that's about four or five-hour drive minimum. Yeah. 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 So, he gave me a lift, dropped me off, uh, got the next flight. Uh, I was there for about, got to Saturday, and I was just like, whoa. There's a there's a world outside of Liverpool Toxton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love the I, idea of man. He opened my eyes. Like I was just like, whoa, I was at awe because you know, I come from a rough neighborhood where, you know, everything is not easy, man. So yeah. and for me it was like, yo, this is amazing. Like so I was there for about four days and then he I remember I remember even to now, man. Every time I even think about it, I laugh. So basically the president called me and Stevie came to the to the after training. He called me over, and he said, "Listen, he's he talking Italian. I haven't got a, I have no idea what he's saying." So Stevie's translating, and he's like, "Listen, I want this guy, you know, to come and play for us. I want him to sign a contract with us." And Stevie's like, "Listen, the guy said, you know, you've done a good trial, blah blah. He's happy. He wants you to sign a contract." I was like, "What? What is a contract? Like, what do I have to do?" <laughs> like, I'm like, "You're talking to a guy. I've got no idea what a contract is." Yeah. Like, and he's like, listen, I'll sort it out for you. And luckily, man, I had Stevie who helped me along the way. And he sort my contract out, helped me out. And and it was crazy because it took me a couple of it took me a little bit of while to get the release letter from from UK to to the to the Italian Federation. And then I remember my first first game was the Italian Super Cup. At that time, Santa Lucia is the powerhouse, like powerhouse of Europe. You know, they've got and not saying Sassari was not a powerhouse as well. Sassari was just phenomenal. You know, we had Cherubini, we had Peter Colstrom, you know, you got Justin Everson, who's around about the same age as me. Just got to, I got to know him really well. Then you could play with me. Stevie Kane was there. And I'm just like, yo, these guys are ridiculous. Like, I have no idea who anybody is. But I've got no idea who anyone is. But I'm just like, everyone's like, this guy's this guy. And I'm like, who? I've literally got no idea who anyone is here. <laughs> yeah. And I've got like a big afro, you know, like massive Ben Wallace style, big afro, you know, headband <laughs> on. I'm like, just, it looks completely different. Everyone's like, whoa. And I remember, 
you know, the first time he's the, the club was like, we, we're traveling to Venice. And that's where the final is going to be. I remember playing that and I was just like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Like that literally opened my eyes and I was just like, what? And then winning it was even, you know, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just have to mention that you won it in there as well. Yeah, well, I have to put it in there, yeah. I have to put it in there. <laughs> I just love but you. Just, but just playing now, was just, and then just training with the guys, which is so, it was incredible. Like, for yeah. me, it just, I learned so much. I learned probably something that I would learn in England within a year. I learned within like four or five months. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had the help of Stevie Kane, who's just, you know, fundamental, was phenomenal as a guard as well. Justin was just incredible, raw, you know, talent at the time. And he was just, I was, you know, Cherubini was just, what? Just another big beast guy. Peter Colshoma, and I know a lot of people would know, was a 2 5 sitting big. You know, we were, you know, he was, he was outstanding. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're effectively, we're going to jump one kind of all star team to the other, but we're, we're going to hit. On your GB career, a little bit, we kind of touched on it there. As you mentioned, you only got the one, the one junior tournament in before the bulk of you guys kind of transitioned through into the seniors. And a couple of questions we ask the old timers who join us is: when you guys think back of like your early days or whatever, is there anyone you think about from kind of that period of time who? either A, has never quite made it like you thought they might do or was really good at the time and you think has been forgotten about? Does anyone spring to mind from those years? It's difficult for me because I didn't actually know anyone. So it's kind of like a bit tough for me to to actually name anyone. Because I kind of just went from Italy, playing in Italy, to coming into the national team. So I literally had no one. And I, I literally... Uh, for 2004, I went to Athens to watch the Paralympics, and that was the first time I thought, you know what, I'll go and watch. Uh, I actually, you know, I was playing in Saturday at that time, and I, I knew the Italian guys were playing. But I, that's when I actually realized what G, the, the GB team. Right. I literally had no idea who anybody was. And so my thought was, after playing in Italy for so long and learning my trade and just playing differently, and I kind of picked up a lot of different, different, different styles of playing from like the players that I was playing with, you know, Justin and uh, all the, you know, Stevie Kane as GB guy and all the other different styles. Uh, I literally couldn't even tell you who, 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 because yeah. I didn't know any one of them, even until yeah. I came into the team. 2000, and, I think 2005, uh, five, six is when I came back to UK after being away for almost four years and a half. And, and still like, I play against Oldham and Sheffield and Milton Keynes in the champion in the Champions Cup, but I still didn't know any of them. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was like, and they didn't know who I was. Yeah. They see like they see this guy who's like, whoa, okay, this guy's from UK. Like, whoa, what are you doing there? Like, how come you're not playing for this team? And I'm like, well, I've got no idea. What are you talking about? Like, I'm playing here. <laughs> I just, so, so I love the idea me, of you. I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I just came into the GB team like just when Murray just literally came into the scene. Right. Yeah. I love the idea of you like having the first handful of years of your career, just everywhere you go being like, who's the Somalian kid? What's going on? <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, no, that... even, even that is a weird thing because you know you see a kid that's like you see this guy who's got like a massive afro braids everywhere and you're like who is oh, okay what the heck is going on here you're not expecting this guy to be from UK anywhere so yeah. it's like, especially with a scouse accent as well. 100% and Marks and strange through the time so yeah it was a lot stronger then Okay, yeah, someone right. being like this guy. This guy doesn't seem English, and then you open your mouth, and they're like, "I'm still not yeah, sure right. if this is English yeah, he's speaking right. or not." <laughs> but... So, yeah, you mentioned there, kind of Murray brought you in. So you say you, you kind of arrive at this point. You don't. You've maybe seen these guys around, but you don't really know anybody. So, as you first kind of step into the senior team. And you realise you're going to have to learn these guys' games, and they're potentially your teammates for you know ten plus years into the future. What was the kind of? Do you have any specific memories of you know your first trials and first tournaments or whatever it might be with the senior squad, where you were like, okay, this is a group of guys that I'm going to be around for a long time now. Uh, well, we used to have a tournament in Manchester, which was the Visa World Cup, I think. Or Paralympic Visa World Cup or something. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, I remember Murray giving my first uh, first going and I remember my first cap playing there. And he was just like, we played the Dutch and the Dutch was really good at that time. And, you know, I remember playing, I think it was me, Terry, Simon, Munn, Johnny Pollock and Fimbo. Yeah. Um, and I think, and he put me in just to, to replace Kev, Kevin Hayes. And mm. I could I watch Kevin a little bit and, you know, I kind of, and I, not only not only did I watch Kev, though, I kind of knew how to play with players anyway, because I was, at that time, I was quite adaptive as well. So I adapted to different roles, because early on in my career, early on in, in Saturday as well, you know, you learn to pick, you curl, you know, because these big guys, you just do what you, as you're told, basically. Yeah. Uh, so you Not that stuff curl, anymore. <laughs> no, nah, but you pick, you curl, and you do it, you, you know, you, you make, you make the outside shot as well. So, and. Uh, and then as as the, as the third season gone along, I started to make shots from outside and stuff like this. And, you know, I, I became a bit more of a threat as well. So people couldn't believe you. Uh, so then coming into GB was kind of just adapting into just kind of getting sure. the players, I guess, the leaders in that, at that time, their confidence to believe in you in that sense. And, uh, and I think it's you know, quite easy to get along with anyone. So, I kind of just eased, eased, you know, eased my way in and not put any pressure on myself. And, and, yeah, it was quite, it wasn't really difficult. It, the biggest thing for me was watching Kevin Hayes. And and that was the biggest thing for me because when I saw this guy shoot the ball, <laughs> I was like, God damn, I've got to shoot as good as this guy to get past him. Yeah. So that's when it really hit me. Like, you know what? Picking, curling, all his slashing, to get past this guy, I've got to hit shots, like basically. But not only hit shots, I've got to, like, that's, he, he literally pushed me to another level yeah. mm-hmm. from where I was. Because when I saw this guy, and he was like, he was, I was like, whoa. Like, he was making shots after shot after shot. And I was like, yo. Still is, man. <laughs> and he destroyed me. Like, he destroyed me. Like, and I saw him in training. I was like, yo. So that's when he pushed me. And I was like, I was back in UK. So I, I just went, in, I went into, I guess, the office and went back into the gym yeah. on the basketball court. And I literally just practice, 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 practice till till I went in there daytime and I come out nighttime. So it's literally yeah. like I put the practice in, put the work in, put the work in. And that's what people don't realize. 
Like they think that yeah, I just became a natural shooter. I wasn't a natural shooter. Sure. Like I played the game. Don't get me wrong. I had all the fundamentals, the hand speed and all that. But I put the work in. Like I put so many hours. There's times where I just forgot. Like I forgot what time I was. Eight hours on the court. I just completely forgot. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's the thing as well. Like I've spoken to you about this before, and I think something that you don't get enough credit for is that work ethic. Because I think there's a weird thing of like people don't really know how hard you've had to work to make it look easy because it does look really effortless from the outside. But like me and Mark have both sort of had the pleasure of playing on your teams, and it's like, oh yeah, no this this is not this is no accident if you know what I mean. But um yeah one of the questions we wanted to ask is like so obviously throughout your gb career you've gone from the young fella um to one of the sort of older boys in the team not old but older um (laughs) i I wanted to ask through that through that career internationally do you see it in sort of like different phases or different eras or is, is it just kind of like a continuous evolution of the team changing since you've been a part of it for 15 years continue, i guess it's just a continuous evolution of change and you kind of have to adapt to i guess you know the speed and the the younger guys you know the likes of i guess hardy coming along and he was probably the first one to come in the scene and just completely doing madness and you know <laughs> and, and you're just like whoa and you just got to adapt to it and uh and, and and i think the game is changing constantly you know and it, it's it's adapt you've just got to adapt to the game and just keep learning. And even, you know, at, at, even at, at my age at the same time, you know, you never stop learning. You know, you see players do other things and, you know, you see Greg in the moment, the fills, you know, uh, Lee Manning, who's, who's just phenomenal at the moment and, you know, doing doing amazing things and stuff like that. You know, the gas Trowdies, the Teddies were always just, just, just phenomenal. Cy Brown is, you know, another defensively with with Adi at, at their time. So each 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 phase, of course, there's gonna be there's gonna be phases to 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 your career, but at the same time just a changing evolution, I think, of the yeah. game, I guess. Yeah. And how do you think the game's changed in general over fifteen years? Like not just G B now, but the world of wheelchair basketball. Obviously it looks different to fifteen years ago, but what do you think the main changes have been? I guess it's the professionality of the of the of the athlete. I guess the the physique, the the chairs have gone lighter, quicker, and people are seeing bigger as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing, and uh, I think the, the the especially the professionality of how people are taking it seriously now, and you know implement implement themselves as a as an athlete. I guess. Uh, and just not just not going through the just not going through the motion, and I think you know if you look at you know the levels of especially GB for us, you know look how you know the the guys are coming through and the depth that we have it's just it's just insane. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. You've obviously got a first hand view of some of that with some of the guys you've had in and out of Malaga in the last couple of years. But oh. do, do you think? The you obviously talked about kind of patterning your game after Kevin, how that made you realise you needed to be more multifaceted than just being kind of a picker and a curler. But do you think the low point classification role has changed massively in your career? Like I think your game stayed once you figured out who you were, I think your game stayed relatively true to what it was, but I think a lot of players have changed around you in that time. You might disagree. 
I'm not very sure to be honest. I just concentrate on my game, and that's about it to be honest. Uh, biggest thing, I just concentrate on my game, just be the best version of like the best I can be for me. Uh, not even I didn't even model myself around Kev. I just picked up a little small thing from Kev, you know how he shot the ball, yeah. which was outstanding, you know. And then I picked up another thing of how Michael Hartney, you know, at that time could defend. And you know, people a lot of people forget about this guy. He was he was. You know, he was one of the first ones that I thought, well, this guy could defend man. Like he take kill how he communicated with his with his forward and just just in general. And then the ball handle skills were just something that I I guess from my able body, you know, playing everybody game was just came along and just being comfortable with the ball. You know, if you get given the ball, just be confident and that was one of the biggest things and uh, maybe guys can you know, a lot of people see me coming off the pick and everything and doing some crazy stuff, but that just comes. I guess that's just come from just just practicing and just doing crazy stuff on off court. Just when you're not, you know, uh, when I'm not playing, uh, just practicing and stuff like that. And just if it comes off in the game, it comes off in the game. And just having a just having that self belief, I guess, in myself and in my ability and yeah. working against them. The one I think of when you you mentioned just like being kind of off the court and doing that stuff, I can't remember what. It was, a, it was at a camp at some point where I think you were sitting out for whatever reason and you a loose ball bounced towards you and you just like scooped the ball up in one hand and there was a netball ring like maybe 10, 15 feet away and you just shot the ball at the netball ring from your day chair. It was like the cleanest swish. I was like, oh my God, what is happening here? <laughs> it, was, it was like it was out of a trailer for something or like a, an if you work hard, this could be you kind of thing. It was absolutely surreal. It's just about enjoying the thing, man. It's just yeah. if you enjoy the game, I love the game. I enjoy the game, and that's what I do, man. I try and enjoy it as much as I can. And you know, people people might look at it that I don't take anything serious, and you know, I'm always smiling and happy, and you know, just cheerful on court. You know, even off court. So, and I think the biggest thing is that I just try and enjoy the game and enjoy the moment, and and you know, it just enjoy the just enjoy the ride, basically the journey. And, just, just whatever comes your way, just make it positively and just Absolutely. yeah, keep going. Sure. Yeah, man. Uh, so we kind of spoke about some of the young fellas coming through and some of the depth that GB has. Um, so one thing we wanted to ask: Is there anyone who's coming up who excites you for the future of wheelchair basketball, whether that's within our national team or just anywhere in the world? Uh, Peter Kusas. Yeah, oh, shout out, Peter. He's phenomenal, man. Now, some of the stuff he does, you know, he's just honestly, man. I sometimes memorize me, man. Like he just, he just, he's just insane, man. Like the talent that he's got, he doesn't even know he has it. But the, the raw talent, just, just, and and just the work ethic that he's got, it's just outstanding, man. Uh, kid is just phenomenal, man. And the day he believes in himself, it's I think watch out the world, man. Like, yeah, man. And when he gets confidence, man, he's gonna be just outstanding, man. Unbelievable. Cool. We should have expected a, a GB and Malaga du- double plug. <laughs> he's like, hey, check out my guys. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but he's just he's just training with him the last, you know, just being with him here. It's just it's just a privilege, man. The kid is just so just so humble as well, and and he just enjoys the game. It just it's just it's just it's just a joy to see, man. And, you know, old folks like me, man, just I get the joy and I'm I'm, I'm happy myself, man. I want to play even more. So <laughs> it keeps me going a bit more. 
So yeah, for sure, man. The kid is just he's just outstanding, man. It's unbelievable. Cool. For anyone listening, you heard it here first. Pete Kuzak is the real deal. I think we we've been on this already, but you've heard, heard it <laughs> yeah. first. Three Pete Kuzak fans. The moment, fans the moment he realizes it, the moment he realizes it, it's gonna be it's gonna be goodbye, man. For the yeah. for the. Do world. you think if you listen to our podcast, he'd believe in himself? I don't think he listens. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. think he does either. Yeah, maybe he well. might. Do. He might do. You never know. Get well soon, Pete. <laughs> Yeah, he's actually yeah. out here at the moment, man. He came back yesterday. Oh, did he? You might see him, James, this weekend. So, well, oh, next sick! Week. I'd love that. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's he's out here, man. Hopefully, so. Yeah, he's. I think he's got his operation soon. So, yes, yeah. hopefully so. goes well for him, and be good to see him back soon. Awesome. Yeah, you guys need to get it cl- cleaned up <laughs> with injuries, general. I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know. We're falling apart this year, but a little bit. But it's but, the way it goes, man. It's the way it goes. This is just this is sport, man. Yeah, it's but, it is, but also all your guys seem to be in it for the long run, right? I don't think anyone who's playing for you this year is like a massive flight risk, so you should have chance no. to roll your team out next year. Yeah, it's- for sure, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So last couple of bits on the international game, and then we'll get back to the club stuff, even though we're literally talking about Malaga <laughs> right now. But um, So obviously the last cycles of, of the last Paralympic cycles have been really disruptive uh, disruptive sorry partly to do with COVID and different things and tournaments being moved and whatever but how hard is it to get a feel of what the worlds and the Euros are going to look like this summer because it's it's far from what a normal four-year cycle looks like it's going to be tough man I think it's going to be a long it's a crazy it's crazy I've never actually well I don't think anyone has experienced this time this this kind of this kind of two tournaments in like a space of like I don't know three months in between, and and I yeah I don't even know what to say man. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be really tough. Knowing that I think the Euros are gonna be even I think the Euros are gonna be tougher than the Worlds. Jeez. Because with the qualification the way it is now, you can't you can't have you can't have a a, a game that you literally you got to perform every game basically from moment go. Yeah, uh, this performance. There's no, you can't have that one game. If you lose, then you're basically goodbye for the for, for twenty for twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And and the way the the Europeans are at the moment, the, the teams, anyone can be anyone, man, at their day. And there's no weak there's no weak teams. And you might get a couple of here or there that you you're confident to win, but you know you got Turkey coming back, you got Spain coming back. They're gonna be they're gonna be really you know they're looking good, man. A couple of their players I'm watching are looking good, uh, but the Wales, it's 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 a weird one, man. Because our group we've got USA, this and I don't know what team they're gonna bring, so uh, and, and that's that's gonna be the that's gonna be the weird thing, man. So without Spain, without Turkey, without Japan as well, mm-hmm. and it's it's I think it's open for anyone to win, and so we've just got to be professional and just just. Just get the job done, and prepare, I guess basically, uh, and not, and not, not take anything for granted, and I guess just go there and just give it all we got, basically. Yeah. And is the plan um, get to Paris and then see how you feel, or do you have any sort of idea how long you're going to keep playing, or are you just going to ride it till the wheels fall off? <laughs> I feel good, man, at the moment. Uh, body feels good. I enjoy the game still, so um, yeah, I want to play, man. 
You might feel differently after, like you say, a full summer of camps and, and two tournaments in three months. You might be like, man, I'm getting old here. Ask me in August after the Euros. But I feel good. The body feels good. And hopefully and get back healthy with these kidney stones and stuff. And then, and, and then, yeah, I feel, I feel really good. I'm playing well, you know, and I thought when I got to about, you know, when I got to 40, maybe everything will slow down, but I feel like I'm still playing. I'm still learning. And, you know, I'm trying, trying, hopefully can help Malaga get to a, get to a, get to a, get to a good level by the time I leave. So yeah, hopefully we'll see. We'll see. Year by year. Still learning. <laughs> Still, man, that's mad when you figure it out can you teach me some of it uh, all right uh last question on your international stuff um what would be the high point of your international career what would be or what is what sorry is. what is tokyo winning a bronze yeah I think, I think that's the biggest i think i know wales is the the wales is phenomenal don't get me wrong to win the wales was 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 outstanding, but then to win, to win a Paralympic medal, it's it's the pinnacle, I guess, for me. Uh-huh. And you know that's the biggest biggest part. It's not done yet. You know to go and get the, we want to win gold, man. So yeah. the gold is the key. <laughs> the, high po- the high point of your international career is Paris twenty twenty four, but definitely, man. The key is to go and get that gold, and that's the biggest thing for us, man. Sure. That's it. Watch this space. All right. So everything else. Yeah. So we're gonna take a little step over to your club career, and um, Mark made a very funny point that uh, he was trying to figure out all the club teams you've played for, <laughs> uh, and he got Sheffield, to Sheffield, Sheffield, Sheffield. <laughs> he got to twelve and a half. Um, he really? Well, uh, I I counted Madiba twice because you've been. You, oh, okay, you okay, okay. So if, yeah, if you count Madiba twice, it's thirteen. If you count Madiba as just one thing, it's twelve. So, so yeah, count them Bit twice. Two different, count them twice. Two different teams. <laughs> yeah. okay. okay, Mark, go ahead. Do you want to? Do you want to run this little game of yours? I'll run. I'll run it, Abdi. So there's twelve teams listed here. Um, I'm going to see how many you can list off, and if you've got any, I've forgotten because I think there's a decent chance that you have. So right. uh, let's go. Let's go in order from when you started. So you say you started at Green Bank, and then Green Bank. Yep. Vikings. Yep. Sassari. Yep. Oldham. Okay, I do have Oldham. I'm I'm out of order, but I do have Oldham. <laughs> uh, I came back to Liverpool the same year. Right. Uh, Midebe. Yep. Uh, Cantu. Got him. Hey, we're doing good. Vigo. Got him. Then Midebe, I guess. No? Yeah, we'll, ca- we'll count them again. Or Sheffield. Sheffield. You've missed. You're at Malaga now. So as far as I can tell, we've got two that you've missed along the way. Uh, Perth? Yeah, I had that as somewhere in Australia because I didn't know what team you'd play for. <laughs> uh, who else did I? What? 
I remember playing for anyone else, man. Sure? Guy, man. The other one, I, the other oh, one I've got is Wolverhampton Rhinos. Wolverhampton Rhinos and Zwickau in Germany. Oh yeah. They're the ones I had. You, so I know more about your club career than you do. So do you want me to answer the rest of the questions for you on this? this you definitely bit? do, man. I've got no idea. <laughs> I forgot. Let's see. I think. I think. I, to be fair, I remember you from like when I first started, like in basketball and like being aware of the high leagues. I remember you playing for Rhinos at that time. So I think that's like the obvious one for me. Whereas you've basically played everywhere around Europe at this point, so I think it's like understandable you would forget a couple of your stops along the way. I forgot. I forgot the Zikau one. I forgot I was there. Yeah, <laughs> that was that wasn't long after 2012, was it? That was you, Gaz, Sealy, Addy, yeah, Muller. Yeah, 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 yeah. Weird. Yeah. yeah. That... 2013, 14, it was I think. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second because we've got a question a little bit further down about like the various stops and if if some of them get the proper being remembered or recognition or whatever you want to call it but first up there's obviously too many stops on your club career list Abdi for us to talk about all of them in detail so we're just going to hit you with some general questions so what's been your favourite season playing in the UK? Oh Sheffield definitely playing for Sheffield you would say that because we're both here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it was just so fun, man. The fun year we had, 2017, 2018. I guess that was the biggest thing for leading us to the World Championships, you know. Yeah. Um, just the fun that we had, man, with Kevin. Having Kevin as a coach was phenomenal, man. Like, um, just just the vibe thing, just the whole vibe that we had was just so... And not losing a game, I guess, was was a, was a good one as well. Winning uh-huh. everything. Um, but it was just a vibe, man. It was the whole vibe, the... The atmosphere it was just it was just so nice man just good to play yeah the my fa- my favorite thing about this whole thing was in obviously we knew everyone was coming back for the centralized program and we'd like signed you know george phil harry james were all signed or whatever well you you didn't sign until so late because we didn't know what you did and like this i don't know if james knew this at the time but we obviously had we had like Phil, George, Ben, and then Kev had said to me, "He's like, we've got th- two and a half, or th- sorry, three and a half points left to play with." He's like, "We want to get Harry in, but we don't have a one." So I'd been told that me and James were going to start, and then like a week later, Kev rang me and he's like, "Oh yeah, Abdi signed, so we're starting Harry and Abdi instead." I was like, "Yeah, okay, no <laughs> argument from me." <laughs> it was crazy because I was actually due to stay uh, at Vigo for another season. Yeah, yeah. but um, with family issues and uh, I had to come back. Uh, being a responsible brother that I am, so I had to come back and get just help out with stuff. And and that was the biggest thing. Like literally, I wasn't even planning to come back. And I think it was somewhere like just not even. I think it was right at the end of August. Yeah. Literally, um, not even be end of September. Uh, I literally just called off Kev, and I spoke to Phil first. And Phil was like, "Yeah, just give me a message, drop me, gave me his number." And I literally called Kev, and he and he was like, "Yeah, of course, like." He was like, "Yeah, I've got, the, I've got these two idiots. I was hoping I don't have to start. We can put you in instead of them." And look what you've done. There's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the first three episodes that never made it to air were, were all of us just being like flipping Abdi. We were going to play forty minutes. Little <laughs> scouse, you know what? No, um, but yeah, um, yeah, that's how it literally happened. And I was just like, oh, "Yeah, let me." We were we were centralizing Sheffield. 
And so I was like, okay, let me go play for Sheffield. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun with the guys. So, and yeah, yeah basically it's just yeah, everybody. I think the Oldham guys weren't happy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a shorter drive uh, from EIS training. Far for far shorter drive from EIS. Well, after a while, uh, we didn't even bother training. So yeah, was <laughs> it was just scrimmage at the end of the week. When we were all tired. It was great. Um, Man, well, some of the scrimmages for some of the James, highest level call, stuff I've ever James, seen. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't call it, I wouldn't call it scrimmaging. No, <laughs> some of it was some of the highest quality stuff I've ever seen, and some of it was absolute nonsense. Uh, <laughs> well, I shoot from the halfway line. Then. <laughs> yeah, I remember we had one scrimmage. I always remember this. Um, we played the we scrimmaged against some of the GB women with a size six, and Phil was just pulling up from like Steph Curry range with the size six. Yeah, and then he came to Steelers training, picked up a seven, did the exact same thing, and then just didn't miss one for a full like a full two hours. I was like, what is going on? But anyway, um, an interesting question we had was. When people think of classic Abdi Jama, what club jersey do you think or hope they picture you in? You've had so many stops. Yeah, true. Yeah, true, true. Uh, I go GB immediately, but I've, I've, yeah, I get GB number ten. So, but as I've club, been... is there is there one club stop that you think you I've want? I've changed my numbers about, haven't I? So that's the only. That's the only. Yeah, that, that's true. I, yeah, I've gone like 23 and now I'm one, you know, before I was 10. So it's um, changed around a bit. So uh, I'm not really sure. I wouldn't really. I, yeah, I wouldn't. I'd, okay. like, I'd, like, I'd like somebody to answer that question for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting one. That'd be a good one, actually. It's a good question. Yeah, I would have no idea to be honest. I'd say Malaga now because that's where I am now, but I don't know. Yeah, there you go. You can't really say a team that you're not at, I guess, is <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably the longest. It's probably the longest I've been anyway in one club. Well, <laughs> there you go. Apart from apart from Sass, apart from Sass City. Yeah. Well, you're you're only in Sassery because you could only go where Stevie Kane would take you. <laughs> you're like, I can't leave this guy now. Yeah, and also, when you yeah. were in Sassery, cameras weren't invented yet, so oh, there was no pictures. Well, they were one of them clicky things that you had to, you know, roll. You have to roll take a couple of times. Yeah, you have to <laughs> leave it into the pharmacy for five days. <laughs> Okay. Up next, so we we touched on this a second ago, but you've obviously had a lot of stops. And do you think there's any that you do you look back on now and you think, man, that team was awesome? Like that maybe doesn't get remembered how you would like it to, or you know, you think it was maybe slightly pre YouTube or whatever else, and you think it's not really known about. Uh, well, when we played, like I said, Sassy was you know fast to play at Sassy with the, with the team that we had. With Justin, Lisa, uh, Lisa Tesh was there as well. I forgot, uh, you know. Uh, and we pl- we play with we, you know, we playing three big and with Stevie Kane as well. And like I mentioned, Justin, Justin for me was was phenomenal man to watch that guy. Not many people remember, and we forget in our sport man, we forget the great players. Yeah. Uh, and this guy was just, you know, he was outstanding. Like some of the stuff he can do as a four and a half, and the way he dominated the game was just was just unbelievable, man. Uh, became really good friends with him, and that's one of the reasons why I went to Perth. Um, but to play alongside alongside him was, um, and, you know, Cherubini, the big guy, and Peter Colstrom, and you know, this team was we were phenomenal. We won the league, I don't know, three four times, the Italian league, and you know, Super Cup, Italian Cup. Uh, how can I say? You know, we came second in the Champions Cup twice to the great 
you know, Patrick Anderson and Joey Johnson and Cole, yeah, you know, that 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 team, Abdul Ghazi and all them guys in Landio. And so yeah, we we you know, we came I don't know, twice or something like this to them in the final and you know, that team was just was just forgotten about, but it was a phenomenal team, phenomenal phenomenal. Not only but there was that you know, so many great teams, you know. The the Medeba team that we had recently with a couple of years ago in, in, in Medeba with me, Bill, George, you know, the the, the Greg uh, Salvador was 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 phenomenal, you know, to go to go the, the almost the whole almost the whole season unbeaten was, was 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 crazy, you know, as well. And just the team that we had was just, just a joy to play along the alongside them guys and uh, the, yeah, just yeah, so many. So many. The one I always think of with you is the whichever Vigo year it was where you guys were down to about five or six players and it was you, Agustin, uh Shelley Cronau and then Lorenzo Embo and Salvador Zavala. For sure, man. It was just <laughs> you guys that, yeah, like I said, there was so many even that team was just you know, me and Salva would me and Shava would play together in 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 in, in, in Medeva the the year before that. And for us to we came to I guess Vigo and we had no right to even finish top three. You know, we finished top three with, with the team that we had and we just stuck together, we played together as a team and we just knew, you know, we, me and Shava just played together at the same time and yeah, and he was another guy, man. He just he could shoot the ball, man. He was just uh, unbelievable, man. Yeah, he's, so just, steady. he's just made his so comeback steady. now, man. He's back with back with Aldacetti. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So steady, so so steady, so chilled. But and you know, we like I said, man, going to that club was so different as well because it was my first time there and I remember the first time I got there. They didn't even used to shoot in the mornings. And I was I'm used to just going there two times, at least two times, three times this the, the week, you know, shoot, shoot in the mornings. Yeah. And um, you know, individual session and stuff like this. And I remember going there and it took about two weeks because they have to go and ask the the council to open the get to open the to open the arena for us oh, to yeah. shoot. So it was so crazy, man. And now, like even now, they still do the same thing now. And right. to have that in, to have that print print on that cloud was just you know for me it was it was 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 a good thing. And just to play, just it was a joy to play alongside. I think it was the most successful thing that we had in a, I guess the club had you know winning the even winning the Challenge Cup for them at that time. And yeah, yeah. almost almost had almost came you know we almost got to the to the final. You know we lost to Albacete. You know, which is which is not a shame. You know, they've got a yeah. brilliant team, uh, but to come so close to them was was brilliant. You know, and that's the thing. And, and not only that, man. You know, I think it was one of the year where there was a lot on my shoulders as well. At the same time, you know, I had to put a lot of you know making shots, did completely different things. You know, uh, multiple in one time you could you know we were double picking with me and Shelley. We were doing crazy, like just running all the time. And I tell you, the fittest—that's probably the fittest that, as a five players, we were. Was yeah, just right. <laughs> was, was madness, man. Because like, you only had five guys, and you were playing forty minutes each. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just completely like it was just mad, like how fit we were. We just to to run, run for forty minutes, which is which just outstanding, man. To be in teams, Bilbao, all Canada with big teams, and just we just basic, we just played basic basketball, like we didn't even do anything special. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was a joy, and yeah, it was really, you know, to play in Germany was good as well, and you know, we we, we lost to Landil in the final, 
from uh, nothing, you know, the, the team that they had was phenomenal yeah. to play in, uh, in, uh, in Germany was, was, was another amazing, um, was another amazing, Australia was, was the same as well, you know, to have the opportunity to go and play in Australia, uh, even though our team was stacked, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> it was literally the Australian starting four with Abdi, so... <laughs> <laughs> You picked yourself but, a good spot there. But it was it was unbelievable, you know, to pick up, you know, ideas from, you know, to go and train with Justin, to train with Sean Norris, you know, and Brad came through, you know, towards the end of the and towards the end of the year as well, to the end, end of the tournaments. So to have to to play to play with that to play with that unit at that time as well, you know, they were they were phenomenal, you know, for for I don't know, eight years or whatever the how long they, they dominated with was phenomenal to pick up little things, little ideas of them and stuff like that was 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 really was really a joy yeah. to be a joy to play out there as well. So everything sure. I just I just enjoy the moment and try and pick up ideas wherever I go. So Yeah. Are there any are there any club playing opportunities that you wish you'd taken along the way? Because like one of the examples we put is like you hear rumors that you get offered by X, Y, and Z team every year. Like we hear that Galatasaray are just trying to get you there every year or this team or that team are there any opportunities that you look back and you would have liked to have taken or are you kind of happy with where your club your club career has taken you I'm, 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 I'm more than happy every choice that i make is for for me and the family basically mm-hmm. it's not about you know it's where the best place for them and you know it's what's best for me and and, and that's how i look at it i'm not really really interested in you know you get multiple, you get multiple teams offering you this, that, this, that. But at the same time, it's what's good for you and what's good for your basketball and what you want out of your career, you know. And and that's for me. That's how I've always picked picked the team where I'm going to go and challenge myself in a sense. I like the challenge as well and challenge myself in different ways. And I like that competitiveness of like crazy, crazy to say this, but to carry a team in a sense. Yeah. Um, which is which is which is which is mad as a one pointer coming from a one pointer. So, <laughs> but I, I like that challenge. I like the challenge of you know, deep team jumping with fours. Yeah. You know, double. You know, it's crazy. Like honestly, sometimes I look at them like yo. But I like the challenge. I never and I, I enjoy that, and that's probably what's kept me going to a level where every year I'm just just pushing it. Yeah, pushing you're, it, so. you're not you're not getting that same kind of thing if you're at Galatasaray. <laughs> you're like um, surrounded in, in, in any in any of the big teams, you know. But at the same time, it's it's yeah, it is. I I've never made I've never no regrets on anything. Sure, yeah. Um, and kind of last one of the general club questions: Is there anybody who you'd maybe seen play but you didn't really appreciate them until you got to team up? Did you get? Did you have like you know your first couple of weeks with a new club, and you're like, man, this guy is awesome. With anybody, I heard a, is it crazy because I heard a lot when I went to Vigo. I was hearing a lot of negative vibes about Lorenzo and Bo. This is, you know, it's, it's hard to play with this and this. When I got there, I was like, but this guy is he. The most coolest guy. Like, <laughs> like, I really got along with him. Like, I had no issues, nothing. Yeah. Like, I really, I like, I don't know what the issue is, but yeah, he's probably one of the first ones that surprised me. Kind of like, yo, this guy's cool, man. Like, I really, like, no, 
wasn't expecting it. Was surprised like how we came out, and then we have a season like we had. So, what did you think when were you ever on like a three on two with him and he stopped and shot a stationary three from behind his head? Were you like, what is going on here? Multiple, multiple times. <laughs> Doesn't matter as long as you make it. Bro, you just let him. You just let him. You just let him be. That's what you gotta. That's what you gotta. You, just, you, you ride over there. You just gotta let him be. That's him. So did I we... think the, the biggest thing is for me is. I guess James would tell you, and you probably tell me. I'm, I'm calm. Like I, I adapt to anybody. If that's his playing style, that's his playing style. You just got to adapt to it. Uh, and he's a winner, man. He's not trying to. What people don't realize is, if somebody, he's not. He just, he wants to win. At the same time, you want to win. So all he's trying to do is do it differently to you. Yes. So once you come to a comp, you come to a compromise. Uh, you know, at the end, early, early on in the season, it was a lot of that happening. You know, but early, when, once we sat down, had a compromise, had a chat, it, it's fine. Like you, you just got to find a way of, you know, both working for the team. You know, because everybody, you're not going to think the same. So, once we got that together as a five, we were, you know, showed that we could, we could compete against anyone in the team, the league. Yeah. Also, Abdi, you're from the school of if it's, if it's if it goes in, it's not a bad shot. So he can shoot stationary threes and transition as long as he makes them. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, the last question before we get on to a couple of listener questions is, so obviously you've been abroad on and off for a very long time. Um, do you ever see yourself settling back into the UK and playing club basketball when you're all done? Or Yeah, for sure. Of course. Cool. I want to. Yeah, I enjoy it. Like I said to you, I enjoy the game. And you know, I would definitely want to come back and play in UK. And yeah, for sure, of course, man. And I probably won't. I'll be like Kev, never stop playing. <laughs> Just shooting twelve shots a game when you're sixty. That, that's fine. That's fine, man. He dropped sixteen the other day a while ago, man. I saw the guy. <laughs> he was like, "Yo, this guy's cool." <laughs> yeah, people wondering why there's been no one pointer coming through in the Liverpool area for the next ten years, and it's because you're still playing forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we shift on to the listener questions, Mark? Yeah, let's do it. So, first one we've got is from Rob Whale, who says, what does a typical Abdi Jama session of shooting the ball look like? Uh, well, I have multiple different shots. Like, shooting is... So, basically, you have, I get a rebounder. Um, so, I make 25. I'm, it's nothing special. I just try and up the tempo. It's all about tempo for me. I don't really like the ball. I don't really like having the ball too long in my hand. So I just want to catch and shoot. Like I don't really, like I always say, man, I'm, I'm easy to play with. Like I can just give the ball up and let them do all the silly work and I'll just catch and shoot. Like, it's not a <laughs> so, so like I was always saying, man. So for me, I just, you know, it's 25 baseline. I just go around it. Like I have seven spots. Uh, and then I go three different, like 25, seven spots, 25 make. And, uh, and then I go three three spots, wing, middle, and elbow. So like a swing over, make 25, 25, 25. And then I shoot three free throws. How, how long does that take you to rattle out those sets of 25? Uh, I don't know. This is going to embarrass me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. The, so there is no real <laughs> secret. The secret is you just make them all. <laughs> yeah, I try and make as much as I can, yeah. Yeah. In my in my head, I imagine you just being like, because most people will shoot at the end of a session until they'll like shoot free throws until it feels good, and it's like the actions feels good in 
or repeat. I imagine you like rock up, shoot one, make it. You're like, yeah, I feel good. I'm I'm good till Saturday. Pick off. Let's go. (laughs) It's like the thing I always talk about the Richard Noche thing of if you make ten in a row, you're done. (laughs) Yeah, just consistent more than anything. That's why I use it for. Just try and get consistency of the same form, the same. I guess the same shot. Just uh, you know, a lot of people ask me like, "What do I look when I shoot the ball? What do I think?" I don't think of anything. Like literally, I'm blank. My mind's blank. <laughs> and also, I, you people, it. my mind's blank. People don't know that you're blind either. <laughs> like your mind's blank uh, and you yeah, can't see short, the hoop. Yeah, I'm short-sighted. Yeah. That that's the secret. Then be short-sighted. It's just clear. Just black. I, just... I don't see orange. I needed to bring that up because Abby told me this a couple of years ago and I was I was upset. Like I was human that someone who shot the ball that well can barely see the hoop. I was well, like, the funniest is, I'll tell you a funny story, is what Greg is the one that actually, Greg looks at me. Every time I used to shoot, we used to have like shooting sessions and stuff like this in Midabay. He goes, Bo, you don't even look at the basket. I'm like, what? Don't I? He's like, no, you don't even look at the basket. You just shoot. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. He's like, I hate this guy. Don't even look up. <laughs> yeah, fuming man. The, uh, all right, the, one, the one step further, I remember you telling me this is that um, not only do you struggle seeing the basket, I think you told me that as you'd rocked up to a shooting session we did in Manchester, and you told me that you also your sight was bad that day to the point where you couldn't see if cars were indicating or not, and then you just rocked up and sh- did your twenty fives in like ten minutes. <laughs> I was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> that sounds bad. No, but basically just consistently. That's all I use shooting. Yeah. You know, it, it, it depends on you more than anything. There's no, like a lot of people tell you, you shoot this, shoot that. You have to correct form and all this. And, but if you find a shot that works for you and it's consistent, just just you just make it more consistently, more, more, and just work on that shot. Everyone's going to tell you, oh, but your elbow's out, this is out, this, your chair's looking this way. My chair looks one way, and as long as my shoulder's squared up. Yeah. The elbow's out, but the ball's in. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question from Elliot Hardman is, how do you stay so relaxed and composed in a close game? Just, I guess the time, I guess the, I guess for me, whether it's the first minute or the last minute, you, you just got to be, I just play consistently through the same way. But I don't really stress over mistakes. Um, I guess I don't think too much of, of mistakes or anything like this. And the biggest thing for me is I'm just I'm just a calm person if I say as it is. That's the <laughs> biggest thing for me. Like like literally, I'm just calm as it is already anyway. So I never have nothing bothers me. Like so. Have you have you ever tried to teach that to any of your teammates, or is it is it something you can't really? Pass? I don't think you can teach that. I think I'm just one of them calm people. Just, just. <laughs> I, I remember asking Abdi for advice on this, and I was like, "How do you stay so chilled in a game?" And his advice was, "Just chill out, man." And I was like, "Oh, cool, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, thanks, mate." It's, it's, it's difficult to explain because, yeah, um, I think as in life, you know, I I went through a lot of things in life, so. I kind of see the game as in like like I'm just playing a game, so I don't really overstress. Yeah, um, I think that's a real thing. I think you see that with like when you look at like the guys who are coming into the NBA from Europe, and it's like how 
of these, you know, how is Doncic or Jokic, how are these guys so level-headed or whatever? It's like, because they grew up in a civil war, like a basketball game probably doesn't seem like a big deal for them. And the biggest thing is not even, I'll tell you a story as well, how I became, like, I, I watched the guy, 2004, when I went to the Paralympics, is it before maybe even your times, I watched the guy, and, I, and Yelma, I asked Yelma this question when Yelma was playing for us in Medebe. And he did it. And I was so shocked that he didn't know who this guy was. I think he's one of the greatest guys to ever play the game, right? And his name is Kun Jonsson. Yes, yep. sir. When I watched Kun Jonsson play, and this guy was so chilled, or dropped 40. <laughs> and then was so chilled. The next game, I dropped 41. I was like, <laughs> bro, this guy's not even trying. <laughs> I literally was like... I don't want to be like him. Like that was one of the, like when I like I said to you, I pick up little things from every like different players. But when I watch Kunyonson play, like he he's one of the first guys that I thought, yo, this guy is like unbelievable. Like I actually enjoyed watching him because I in a, it was crazy because I went there to watch because I was with another friend of mine who's from the from who just was a, was from the GB team, so we went there to watch. I actually watch more Dutch games than I did with more than, than GB games. Just because that was the first time I ever saw this guy play. And that's sure. watching him and how calm he was, how steady and relaxed he was. Yeah. That kind of like, I, I don't know if he had the influence on me, but yeah. I think he had well, a bit of, a bit if, of it. If yeah. nothing else, it means you've get you've got to come on the podcast and have a dig at Yelma. So it's all been worth it. <laughs> we, we are, we are no, he, knows who, he knows who it is. He knows who he is now. <laughs> We we are we are pro knowing old players and we are pro being anti Yelmer on this podcast. <laughs> nah, we we love Yelmer. It's just because I'm playing via the lead this weekend. Oh wait, no, I will already have played them by the time this goes out. So yeah. Um. All right. Next question is from Tyler Baines, and it's what's the best Indian in Tory? Taj <laughs> Mahal. All right. Cool. I Next love one. you. I love. I love. I love Tyler. My Tyler was outstanding, man. I was here. He was one of the coolest kids I've ever met and you know hopefully he's, he's going to have a good career man if he continues the way he's going yeah, um, yeah he's, he's a, definitely a, definitely a star in the future for GB definitely for sure cool next one Mark okay next one from Mendel North. who's your favourite screener to shoot behind I don't need a screen <laughs> Abdi prefers his screens being people wearing the other jersey. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, like, I like people coming out so I can just show them. So I, like I, that, do, that, I do remember you telling me once you didn't like Simon Munn screening well, basket yeah. over him. I actually don't. I, you know why? It's, it's difficult to say because I play with so many players, so many great players as well. And it's difficult to pick one one player, really. And, entirely fair. You know, it, it, it's tough, man. So, All right. Yeah. I think um, all the all the screens are good. Yeah, any screen. Um, this is a great point oh, to bring oh, no, up oh, the no, fact that. No yeah, this is a great point to bring up the fact that um, a regular occurrence in our Sheffield scrimmages was Abdi trying to make his way around to everyone, catching a ball and being like, "All right, come here, make." <laughs> but yeah, two more questions from Mendel. Um, first one is: Do you think people underrate you, or maybe more interestingly, what part of your game do you think people underestimate? I don't think people don't, underrate. I don't think people underrate I, you. I think you're the best one of all time, and I think most people think that. Like, 
to be honest, I just play the game for, I just play, I, I love it, I enjoy the game. You know, I, I I appreciate, you know, people saying, you know, with my hard work, that, the effort that I put in, you know, to get recognized for what I do and, you know, all the other bits and bobs. But then, um, yeah, I wouldn't know. I just try and play the game in the right way. Sure. And, and just enjoy the game and enjoy the moment, enjoy the ride. And I'm just competitive, man. I'm competitive and, you know, I want to win. And, but I guess, yeah, I try and do as much as I can to my ability, to the max. And, and, and yeah, I just try and enjoy the, enjoy the moment, enjoy the ride. But it's tough to say because, you know, a lot of people will say, yeah, you know, I shoot the ball well. But a lot of people, you know, forget, you know, you know, my core awareness, I read the game really well, you know, spacing and, you know, the space that I get into, I don't just sit there, you know, I move with the offense, I read the offense. That's what a lot of people don't realize. It's like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and, and, you know, my core awareness and, you know, moving with the defense, moving with your opponent, you know, the reading the offense, reading the defense and stuff like that. And and just, just, just in general, ball handling, I guess, in the same time. And, you know, my ball handling skills is, you know, has improved massively. So, um, and it's still improving, you know, left hand, right hand. And I just try and develop in every way. You know, I try and have all the skills that I can. And so that's that's why I, I, I just try and do as as best to my ability to be the best basketball player that I can be. Yes. And I don't know where, you know, I don't know what. That's down to people to, to say, you know, you're this, you're that, whatever. You know, I'm not really concerned in that sense. Sure, we'll we'll do that for you, um, Mark. Do you want to do Mendel's last question? Or so Mendel says, and this touched on something we talked about a minute ago. But why do you think the kind of mid-range shooting one-pointer is so uncommon by comparison to the way a lot of one-pointers play? No, it's develop. I guess it's developing the game. You know, it depends on. I think. One point is just seen as in like the lowest pointers. You can't really do anything. So for me, I think it's a bit of a disrespect. You know, I think you could be, as in, I think we we we, we tend to just focus on the, the classification instead of just the athlete and what cap- what capability that you know. If you teach this guy what can he be do, he could be more of a threat. You know, that's the biggest thing that I thought was well. Listen, you can't. How? You, okay, if you're gonna stop me from a layup. Then, you, if I'm outside and the people are coming off you, I was like, okay, I'm going to punish them then. So that was my thought, and and you know the consistent as I got consistent, I'd love people to leave leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was my thing. Like I have, and and that's and that's one of the biggest. So I became an asset to the to whatever team I was playing for. Then I became even more of an asset to the national team, and you know, uh, to have a not only in one position, but in multiple, every position, you know, anywhere inside that key. Occasionally, I might shoot a three. <laughs> but, um, okay. but, uh, that became a lot more common though, at one point. <laughs> but uh, I'm saying, like, in the midpoint game, if you can become consistently from there, then, you know, I don't really need to shoot a three. So, yeah. you know, for me, the biggest thing is that midway, I, I don't know, I just worked on it. I worked on it, worked on it. And, you know, for me, that's what, it got me to where I am now. So, you know, and not only that, though, not only just the shooting wise, but it's the core awareness of like using the space of, yeah. I guess, like the NBA, you know, you kind of slide across, 
to get to a position and then you go from here to here and you know it's just little things like that sliding across sliding this way using as soon as that help goes you know have have that have that mentality of like you know just sitting there but you just go one centimeter this way so then that pass becomes even even easier for 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 the other guy to give it to you but then it's it's a longer way for the defender to come back to you and 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 I became I guess I guess the way I played well, my chair format as well, because the way I lean back as well, it's difficult to get to me. So <laughs> reclining. Uh, yeah, but it's not a comfortable. It's not actually comfortable to play sometimes because <laughs> basically you, you hit the sides because my back always takes, and I use a, I literally put so much force onto my back as well. So you know, I have to do a lot of. You know, my back work is. It, I, I, I focused on my back work and stuff, and you know. Uh, that's the biggest thing. My back work is it's it's the, the amount of weights I've done and to make it stronger, stronger to be my core. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's what gets me to where I am now. So, yeah. Exactly. And in in a podcast full of absolute gold, your chair not being comfortable might be the biggest revelation <laughs> in like an hour and twenty minutes. That's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. It looks like not. a sofa. Yeah, um, I know, but it's not comfortable sofa. <laughs> 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 yeah, the kidneys aren't thanking you. Um, all right. Um, last couple of questions. This one is from Neil Pratt. Shout out to Neil. And he asks, what's your, what's your favorite venue to play? Favorite venue? Malaga home court. <laughs> Not I've played in so many, man. I think Bill Bow. Bill Bow is. Yeah, man. Nah, for sure. With the crowd that you guys have. It's 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 absolutely. I love playing, but I really really enjoy playing. It's it's really, yeah. It's a great venue. It's a great support. You know, yeah. Just the drums come out, and yeah, I think it's one of the most supported. It yeah, better live up to the hype, man, because I'm about to experience it firsthand for the first time ever in a few weeks. Uh, you'll enjoy it, man. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Okay. And last one, also from Neil Pratt. This is a nice one to end on. It says, "How important is your hometown to you?" Massive, you know, Liverpool is where I grew up, it's my home, and you know, I've got all my family, everybody lives there. So, yeah, basically, for me, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, my whole, I guess, my you know, where I grew up and where I where I grew up is you know, where I still live, and and for me, you know, my community means a lot to me, and and yeah, it's probably what keeps me grounded. And <laughs> you know, I still got my friends, my you know, from day one, and you know, from back in the days as well. and we're still we're still in you know still in touch and you know we hang out all the time and uh, yeah for me you know a life away from the sport or from away from the game is is, is as as important to me as in when I'm playing the game for me so uh, you know to spend time with you know your loved ones your friends your family to have that I guess circle just there for you uh, for me it is none better you know and I guess a lot of guys should never I guess never sacrifice that. For just for the game, so yeah. I think you always got to have that, and I think that's the biggest thing for me that's kept me going and still is right now. So awesome! Okay. We'll wrap on that then. So especially, especially when they take the Mickey out of me. So you know, yeah. you can. I think I think it's funny. Anyone who's been in a tournament with Abdi, you'll just hear him on the phone, and he'll just be flipping constantly between like English and Somali, talking to his boys, 100%. and it's just like 100%. I like I know what's happening, and then all of a sudden it takes my brain a second to be like, oh, that's a different language. But the fact that he no, goes 100%. back and forth is it's, so funny. It's amazing. Like, it's amazing. Like we talk constantly. Like everywhere we are in the world, we've got a WhatsApp group, and we're just literally talking. 
And it's funny because they they watch the games, all the games, and they're the first ones to tell me like, "Man, you are rubbish! Like you got <laughs> you this, you that." Like I, lo- but I love it. Like I, like you know, they're my they're the they're the best critics in the world. So and they in they mean nothing. Like it's it's so good as well. Or it's a bounty thing. It's a bounty, and, and I love it as well. I enjoy yeah. it. They keep me grounded. So yeah, it's it's course, amazing. Man. It's amazing to have. Absolutely. All right. Um, That'll do us, Abdi. You're the greatest. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks very much for having me, man. Good luck.